We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 286 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Nate Hilton, and with me today is Levon, aka Barcelev, in what I consider part two of our listener questions, kicking off from that show with Emil. And sorry, Levon, but I gave you all the hard questions. Uh, that's okay. I can handle them or not. We'll have fun anyway, so. Yeah, we will have a little bit of fun because yesterday we kind of avoided the Bayern Munich thing. I do have another podcast coming out either over the weekend or on Monday prior to Tuesday's matchup, so we're not going to go head first into the Bayern stuff, but we will have a little bit on that because there's plenty to talk about. And from the Barcelona perspective, it is obviously a bit of revenge that is necessary for that match or hopeful revenge, or at least some kind of, we'll get into it. All right. So before that, Levon, I want to start with something light. And that is actually a question for me that I have for you. The only big quote unquote news from the last two days is that this leaked Champions League jersey is now official. So we know what it looks like. How do you feel about the Champions League alternative? Because I know that the fan base wasn't Totally thrilled about the home kit and the away kit, I think, was pretty good. I've said that in the past. And the third kit, I don't know. I think I'm somewhere in the middle on it. Uh, I love the third kit. Uh, I, I'm not one of those people who says, oh, we, we should have the same design every season. I think especially the third kit uh, can be one where you can be creative. I don't mind the first kit that much. I would like if, you know, if we have three kits that one is traditional, one is the away kit, and then one is more playful, right? The problem becomes when playfulness is horrible, such as the, the squares of two seasons ago. That was just, that was just horrific. But I really like this away kit. I think that uh, the club has done a terrible job at marketing it. I saw this this video of uh, some local musicians uh, sitting on the terrace and showing Memphis Depay dancing on their cell phone. Oh my God, it's, it's, it's just embarrassing. It's, it's really embarrassing because the third kit is actually um, inspired by uh, Barcelona neighborhoods. Uh, El Raval, uh, Sanz, Las Cortes, uh, San Antonio, Gracia, and another one, I kind of, I, f- I forget which one. So if, if they would market it as showing the characteristics of that neighborhood, of those six neighborhoods, and how they are reflected on the search and make like a very dynamic video on it, uh, ab- about it, that will garner a lot more enthusiasm 
especially among foreign fans who uh, who are not aware of it or who might not uh, know it or might not care about it as much. Because one thing that this club has going for it is that the club is based in an extremely popular city. Yeah. So take take advantage of that and don't don't make like a one minute video of some guys like can we even call it music on their terrace and showing Memphis Depay dancing on his cell phone. It's it's just ridiculous. It seems as if like there's there's no professional marketing team in one of the biggest clubs in the world. Compare it to what Ajax does routinely. Compare it to how Ajax has marketed their Bob Marley shirt. Oh yeah. For example. So th- that that is a lost opportunity, I think in general. But the shirt itself, I like it. It looks great. I'm gonna get one. Well, yeah, unlike my uh, one of my Twitch partners in Anton, who snatches up seemingly every New Jersey and warm up kit, I generally, as people who watch on YouTube or have been watching the show for a long time, know that I have about maybe six or seven Barca related <laughs> memorabilia. Or, I mean, uh, t shirts or long sleeves that I wear, or jerseys even. So, yeah, I, I don't really get everything. So, I, I tend to forget what warm ups were which years and blah, 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 blah. But I do know that obviously the warm ups from either last year or two years ago, it's almost a crash course always in the architecture of Anthony Gaudi. Because if you go to Barcelona and for many of the fans being able to go there, you understand that it sounds so odd that the historic city of Barcelona is so entrenched in this architectural, I mean, just the architecture of one man who lived in the 19th and 20th century. And obviously the Sagrada Familia is his, his, you know, his big masterpiece still unfinished. But he, his fingerprints are all over how the club not only sells itself to a global audience, but you go into a Barcelona gift shop and a third of that stuff has that, that, that look, that scope of what Anthony Gaudi's architecture was, the, the colors, the blocks, the, the different patterns, the curves. And you could tell there's a distinct feature. And I think the club, they, they oscillate between really leaning into that with jersey designs. And again, these are, these are made by Nike, not necessarily by the club does get final approval, but usually this is made by some kind of designer from Nike. And so for me, yeah, I always find myself going almost like, again, another crash course down the rabbit hole and trying to understand, okay, so what is Gaudi's, what does that look like? And then how does that merge with not only the identity of the club? Cause I don't want to get, you know, that's the hoopla of all the, the fanfare of yada, yada. But I just mean how the club wants to look to a global audience and how they want to use the city of Barcelona and obviously the Gaudi influence to create their jerseys. Right. Um, the third kit was actually uh, designed by Barcelona designers. So oh. I, I don't know if those are Barcelona designers who work for Nike. I, I do know that they were designed by uh, Barcelona designers. And I also think the city is more than um, more than Antoni Gaudi. Sure. Um, so if, if I look at the shirts, they don't necessarily evoke uh, Gaudi to me, nor are the neighborhoods where uh, th- that those shirts represent particularly linked to Gaudi either. Um, but it's not just Gaudi. I mean, uh, often you see uh, Jan Laporta um, shooting like small videos from an office. And in the, in the office, there's a, there's a p- painting by uh, John Miro, who's a famous Catalan painter. Uh, so right? he, he was an impressionist, right? No, it's more like abstract. Oh, um, yeah. oh, what am I thinking of? Yeah. Does he have the farm? Isn't that his famous one? One of his famous ones from the 30s. But OK, anyway, we are way in the weeds. Do we, do we want to put a cap on yeah. this one? Uh, we'll have to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, because, I, because I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not an art uh, connoisseur. So, yeah, we're, we're too far down the rabbit hole. OK, so let's get back to I mean, I guess that was a really safe space to talk about jerseys and art, because now we have to talk about, as they say, the serious business. Abbas asked, 
we're going to, again, go over the lineups and all that stuff for Bayern Munich. So I, I, I unfortunately, I, I'm not going to spoil that here, but what are our chances? This is from you, Levon. What are our chances against Bayern Munich and putting that 8-2 to bed? That's the question from Abbas. The less we really care about it, the healthier for us. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I'm usually quite optimistic about our chances, but now I am simply afraid because I, like, I don't think our team is ready for this. We'll go out in a 3-5-2, probably, because we don't have any fullbacks. I think Alba is injured. Is Dest injured? They're saying that Dest might make it. I, I mean, yeah, he might. At this point of taping, he might, but likely no, was the last report that I heard as of even this morning. Uh, but we'll have to see. And that's something, that even if he wasn't, if he was ready to go, I think the club is going to keep that quiet until the final minute. Why, mm-hmm. would, they, why would they leak that for information? Ob- but, obviously. But yeah, I think you're right. That I, I think the main thing about trying to recognize where Barca's chances are is trying to understand where Bayern Munich is in their evolution. And right now they are playing for their new manager in Nagelsmann. Uh, they just dominated Hertha Berlin right before the break, 5 nothing. They are rotating in the youngsters. They have a squad that has no new faces of leadership. They brought in, again, just more talented players in the, uh, well, basically from RB Leipzig. They said, hey, we're going to take your manager. We're going to take your big center back in uh, Doya mm-hmm. Makano. And they also took a midfielder as well in, in Davitzer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the center midfielder from uh, from Austria. So yeah, I Le- mean, Leipzig is the new Dortmund. Leipzig is the new Dortmund. Basically, right? Because they yeah. are the ones who have the the financial fortitude to to bring all these talents in. Dortmund can do that again once they they saw Holland. But yeah, I think our chances come down to where they are and where Barca is. Not only are they injured, but obviously they're still in transition. So you have to take this as a grain of salt that when the eight two happened, Barcelona were on that decline. You could feel that they were on the decline, and it was only when they hit. That, that, that final resting spot, that darkest moment that they could come anew. And I, mm-hmm. I do believe that we are, you know, if this is a story, we're, we're back in another rising action, but that is not complete yet. We're not going to know what Barca looks like until now it looks like it's going to be a month from now with Ansu Fati, but we don't, we're not going to know what Barca looks like until Ansu is a bit healthier and Dembele is a bit healthy and Coutinho has played a one match at least, or they have an idea of, of the identity that this team is going to have. And, and so Steven also asked to that point, are we stronger than the last time we faced Bayern? And the answer is yes and no. Physically and obviously without Messi, the answer is no. And not only Messi, but Griezmann and players who'd been around the the squad for a while. But this group so far is untested mentally. So like we've talked about before, led actually by Memphis here, who had a hat trick and an assist against Turkey just this week, this team doesn't have that same wilt that the A2 team did. They might accidentally get a you know, uh, lose 3-1 or lose 3-2, right? Or make it interesting and it's a 2-2 draw by almost mm-hmm. accident. And that that Barcelona and led by Memphis, you know, he wasn't there. Pedri wasn't there. Dest wasn't there. Brothway and Luke de Jong weren't there. And for anything, Barca might be able to emotionally get up to this one. And if the talent, I mean, can, I mean, this Barcelona do still have world-class players. So if they can just match that Bayern Munich talent for 90 minutes, I mean, who knows? I, they're at home too. So maybe a 2-2 is possible. I mean, the chances are slim, but I, I just think they're in a better headspace. They just physically are not where they need to be at a team yet because they, they lost so many pieces a week ago. Yeah, I think without injuries, Barcelona still has one of the most talented squads in Europe. But then we're talking about, you know, Ansu Fati is in the squad. Um, Dembele is in the squad. 
we have Jordi Alba, who's fit without injuries. With all the injuries, I don't even know how they are going to play. Because I was saying 3-5-2 because we don't have fullbacks. But 3-5-2, you need wingbacks. And our fullbacks are the ones that be the wingbacks in that system. Because if not, who else am I going to put on those um, on those flanks? Right? Maybe Brathwaite could be a wingback on the right. Because at least he has the speed uh, and he has the work rate. I mean, but I'm a little nervous about but, but, but he's never, he's never, he's never played there. It's something right, right. that John Kive might do. Like, That's the same. Putting a new system. I mean, I'm actually going to see. Uh, yes, you're waiting for the internationals comes back, but that that scrimmage that against uh, Aegi Prat, you think that that's the last time that this? I mean, it's the last friendly or the last time they're going to be together before Bayern Munich. So I actually would not be surprised if the Ottoman Gaeta. And now we're getting the lineup a bit, but I would not be surprised if the Ottoman Gaeta actually on the left where he's played in the past for Barca B and even throughout the academy. And then Sergio Roberto, this is if Dest and Alba are both injured. And then Roberto is back on that right side, or it could be a Ronald Araujo or even Eric Garcia who are tasked to be a right back, which is insanity against Alfonso Davies. So I, I think it'll be Roberto move back there. And then you're going to have Busquets, De Young and Pedri in the middle, Roberto at right back, Osman Gaitha at left back. Uh, with a very, very defensive back line with Roberto being basically this inverted right back that'll go into the middle to try to almost have four in the middle there at, at times, possibly. And then again, PK and Eric Garcia or Araujo being the other two center backs. And then the front three is whatever front three you can cobble together. Potentially, yeah, Brothwaite, Memphis, and, and Luke DeYoung. But it seems like Kuman wants DeYoung to get more familiar from the bench and get inserted that way. But just looking at the squad, I mean, we might actually see Coutinho because he did start and apparently he played well. I put quotes over that. He played well in that friendly. So I think that starting lineup could be Brothwaite on the right, potentially. Again, where he's not as comfortable, he's most comfortable on the left, but you could see Brothwaite on the right, Memphis in the middle and Coutinho out on the left. So I think hmm. I didn't want to do the lineup, but we did it. I, I mean, I don't know if there's something I'm not thinking of that he that Kuman has shown us in the past that he would do instead. I know there are other players in the squad and there are other options. Like I know people are throwing out Balde there, but I think based on how he sets up his squads and how he sets up his team, especially for big matches, I, I don't know how else we see something too dissimilar from that. Um, yeah, but I could see a 3-5-2 with Balde on the left. You really think he would start Alejandro Balde against Bayern Munich? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat. 
mother of three, and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. As a wingback? Yeah. That, you know, there, there, there's not that much that people can blame the wingback. You know, and he does, he, he does have the, the profile to, to play there. Um, because if we're talking about, you know, Mingesa as a left back and Sergio Roberto uh, as a right back against Davis, that's not very enticing either, is it? Like, yeah. Well, no, but, but I think know, that's, so, but that's uh, a difference, so I, though, is that if mm-hmm. Megapa gets, gets cut inside out, then that's one thing. But for Balde, to make your debut at home, yes, at home, but to make your debut against Bayern Munich in that moment, remember, he didn't make his debut even last year when Kuman was throwing out, um, you know, uh, options for, for younger players. So for him not mm-hmm. to make his debut yet, I, I'm just not sure this is the exact moment. You don't want to send a, a, a young player down a bad path after some kind of result against Alfonso Davies. I just, I, I don't, he'd be one example that I just, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But Kuman also put on um, uh, Gavi and, and Nico in matches that were not going well at all. Right. But that was, um, but he, 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 did, he did it twice with Nico actually, because he also put Nico on when uh, right after Real Sociedad scored. Uh, and what I do think is that we will play three, five, two against Bayern because you want you want to be able to cover your yeah. your defense against Bayern. You want Busquets to be more comfortable. Whereas in the past we've seen that when we play um, when we play big games and we play four three three, Busquets plays poorly because he because he becomes very very vulnerable when the team is not compact and the team cannot uh, defend well. I think that uh, already four three three might be risky against Bayern um, for Kuman's for Kuman's taste, uh, but even even more so when you start putting players in that lineup that have never played there for this for this team before. So then with three five two, you have a bit more security, and you have all the players that we have on the squad. Who would you put as a wing back? I can I can only think of Balde. Am I forgetting somebody here? Or like I said, I can also see, but not on the left. I can see on the, on the right. I can see Tal Brethwaite. You be the wing back on yeah, the right. right, right. Um, yeah, I think I, I would assume that Kuman would go with Brathwaite over Balde again, just because of the the. I guess experience is is kind of trite. If if a player is more natural in that spot, like Balde again, if Alba's injured, Balde is the most natural wing back in a three five two. Absolutely, I, I no qualms about that. And and I also want to make it very clear that people who've been following Barsupply.com or, or this show for a long time, I mean, he's been the best left back not only since Juan Miranda, but potentially the best left back in the academy for more than that time since not even Jordi Alba because he was sent out. So I, it's, I'm having a hard time even thinking of who the last, you know, top, top right back prospect was coming out of the academy. Jordi Alba was not even the left back in our academy. Exactly. Right. So th- he, that's not even, that's not even the case here. So I, uh, before even Juan Miranda, you go back quite some time. I mean, Martin, uh, Martin Montoya was even on the right. He'd been on the left for a little bit, then switched over as a right back. So yeah, even Montoya does not count there. So for Balde, I would love it if he was given the chance against Bayern, went out there, really succeeded. Again, I'll be the first person to uh, blow on the horn and be excited about that. But you know, I, I just don't, I just don't know if he's going to do that. But I do agree with you that uh, a four-three-three 
with Busquets against Bayern has already been proven, especially against Bayern. They have not shifted from their, their 4-2-3-1, even under Nagelsmann. They have a new manager. But it's basically the same system. It's the same killers in the middle of that park. Muller, um, Kimmich, Goretzka. They're going to come out firing. And if Barcelona gets on the front foot uh, or gets on the back foot early, it, it could it could get ugly, even if you yeah. know Memphis isn't going to wilt and, and they're not going to do things a certain way. So if Dest is healthy, you could also see Dest as the left wing back and you could see Roberto on the right as, as a wing back, just out of necessity. But yeah, we already knew that. I said it yesterday about the injuries that Barcelona are already in perspective where difficult choices have to be made at this point in the season already. And so that leads us to our next question from Eric. What results would you want to see to call this season a success? And I, I think that what we consider a success now, I, not to cop out an answer, but what we consider a success now, I think is going to be different from what we consider a success later on down the road because of where the, where the squad is. If the squad never really evolves from this point or never gets healthy, those change the expectations as opposed to a team that's fully healthy and potentially in form come March. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, football-wise, I am happy if we qualify for the Champions League. I don't even care if it's second, third, or fourth. We just need to qualify for the Champions League. I want to get out of the group. Um, the reason I want to get out of the group more than anything, it's be- because I think the club needs money. So I want to get out of the Champions League group and make it to the second round or possibly even the, the quarterfinals. And I'm, I'm good with that because even though I defend what Kuman does a lot, I do not necessarily want us to continue with Kuman. So if we have the kind of results that, you know, makes it difficult, say Kuman is too successful, but we still see that he's not the right coach for Barcelona, then that gives us a problem. What are we going to do with Kuman at the end? Uh, of course, he might surprise us all and he might play so well that at the end of the summer, we say, well, you know, why would we change coaches? But yeah, for me, a success right now is to qualify for the Champions League get out of the Champions League group, make it to the next round. That uh, is already something that I would be happy with. We also have to consider that we lost Griezmann and Messi. And there are two, two huge, uh, huge losses. I, I would like our players, our young players to, uh, to grow. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to think of this. I think thinking of it as I kind of, again, copped out. I think people want us to just answer this as a result, but I don't think that's going to tell the whole picture. Because to me, when you're thinking, when we're discussing Balde potentially being thrown into the lion's den against Bayern Munich, and then we're talking about Fed, uh, Fatih and Pedri and Dest and Mingetha and Araujo and Eric Garcia and De Jong even, and Dembele, when you talk about the nature of the squad, the way it's built, you're right. I have not really cared about and had to look at improvements of individual players. And that's why I think even me, I, I did notice myself this year, I always make an effort to see every match that Barca B has, or at least see highlights and all this stuff. And I do that, but with the way that the squad is even constituted this year, the Barca B that I'm trying to see is based on players that are already in the squad for the first team for Champions League, that being Balde, so Gabi, because the next players up to the first team are already kind of around the first team. And that's usually not the case with Barca B. It's usually what players next season are potentially going to impress in preseason. No, it's Mm -hmm. what players are coming up now. Even Arnaud Kobas, who I've seen before, he started that friendly with a prot. And yeah, Barca Beach players always get a chance. But if there's enough center back injuries this season, who knows? I mean, I know that Barca actually has a glut of them 
for the first time in a long time because of Umtiti and Langley sticking around and you have, you know, six, technically with Mingethi, you have six center backs, but, but who knows based on the formation, if, if it's three at the back, now you're filling three spots. And if PK gets injured, you're, you're considering something else. So I'd love to say, Hey, if Barca gets top three and reaches the quarters of the champions league, meaning they win their group and get win a knockout game, they're right. It's an overwhelming success based on results. But yeah, to your point, Fatih being healthy, Pedri continuing to be on this trajectory and a lot of those young players not completely losing the point, I think is going to be what's going to consider it a success if they're able to do kind of the base of what you had said, where you get Champions League football next year, top four, and you reach the quarters. And I think for Barca, again, I also looked back through their history. Whenever they finish top three, even top going, we're going back to the 40s and 50s even. When they finish top three, it usually means that they're in a good way for the years around that. And obviously things are different now. And with Champions League, everything changes minute by minute, hour by hour. I suppose, you know, in the 50s, you'd go months or years of waves of eras and, 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 and players would stay at a club for three to five to seven to nine years. And that was much more common then. But I, I think Barca, to be top three, meaning Atletico Madrid deserves our respect. Real Madrid, we know, is always Real Madrid. They're always a force. And so if they can continue to say, hey, there is a top three in La Liga. Sorry, Sevilla, but you're fourth on the on the outside looking in. I, I think that's where Barcelona emotionally wants to be. I think that's where fans can, you know, physically handle being. And being behind Real Madrid doesn't make anybody feel good, but they also might be the team that finishes fourth and Sevilla finishes second. So <laughs> just throwing that out there, that top three wouldn't be such a bad thing for Barcelona. I, do you have anything more on this? Or do you want to move on to our next thing? Uh, let's move on. So we're going to move on to something that I'm always divided talking about, and that is Coutinho, because we still haven't seen him. We've talked about him for hours and hours and hours in the time that he's been gone for the last about year as well. Uh, Fati's been gone since October, but Coutinho has been gone since December. So Charlie Barza asks, what's the truth about how much Coutinho is going to cost us and how much game time before he costs us more? Charlie, I got to be honest with you. Levon and I talked about this prior to getting on air, and I had heard that last season it was a rumor that if he had played seven more matches, Last season, that the club would have owed Liverpool seven million more, but Levon heard something different, <laughs> which he can he can explain what that. What what did you hear? I heard ten more mass matches, and uh, we have to pay twenty. Matteo Alemany went on record and said nothing about it because they actually asked him, so he did not go on record. Uh, they they asked him, and he uh, he basically uh, would not answer the question. Uh, I don't know at this point. Uh, it's been one of my many arguments against playing Coutinho. Uh, you know, why would we want him to cost us even more money? Uh, it's like um, Valverde said at this point, as Lokai, it is what it is. I would prefer not to play him at all if there is a clause that says that playing him costs, costs us money. Heck, I'm not even sure if I want, want to play him if they gave us money. But at this point, you know, it's the start of the season. We might as well just um, just see what happens. And hope, hopefully, he'll surprise us in a positive, uh, positive way. He has a coach who apparently likes him. And, you know, if he's going to play, at least it'll be for a coach who believes in him. Because that means that, you know, we might get something, some good out of this. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, Abbas followed up with a question, are there plans to offload him in the winter window to save his wages? I can't see how that would change. If he even does a bit okay at Barcelona, I, right? That becomes a conundrum, that if he does well enough to potentially get some kind of loan, 
where again, no team is going to buy him in the winter window, but if a team is willing to loan him and take on his wages to give Barcelona some six months of relief, then I think the club would take that. But in the inverse of that, if he's playing well enough for a team to want him then who didn't want him now based on his wages over the summer and is going to want him based on whatever he's done the next four months, I, I, I would understand that Kuman would say, hey, can, do you mind not taking this player that because if he's doing that, if he's doing well enough for a team to take him on and take on his wages in January, that means that he's succeeded enough that Kuman has trusted him and he's going to be an important part of the team. So in that instance, I feel like, yeah, there would be plans to, but if he plays well enough to go, then the club wouldn't let him leave. But I, but I think the club and Kuman are different in that instance, right? And I, I can't <laughs> figure out who would win that, you know, who would win that discussion where Kuman lost the Griezmann discussion even. I think yeah. he would love to have Griezmann around, but obviously... They lost them because of the wages. The club. The club. And um, in Kuman's favor, he doesn't complain too much about it. He he always looks out for, for the interest of the club. Yep. I truly believe I truly believe that Kuman does want what is best for the club. So if uh, uh, if we loan out Coutinho again, he'll accept it. I am a bit surprised that we did not succeed in finding a home. For Coutinho, even if it's a temporary home, uh, with all the money that is in the in the Premier League, you would think that um, you know even a club in the bottom half of the Premier League table would say, "Hey, you know, I don't mind paying 10 million and using that money for Coutinho this year." Barca, you want to pay the, the the rest of his wage? We'll take 10 million, and I think Barca would have would have agreed to this. Even Coutinho injured is worth the risk of 10 million uh, for those clubs that have a lot of money to spend, but they don't have anybody as talented as Coutinho on, on their squad. Because, you know, lest we forget, somewhere deep inside Coutinho is an excellent football player. Yeah, I mean, I think even on the surface, there's an above average football player there, almost every other club but Barcelona and the way they've been built. Because we even spoke about against Bayern Munich. If Coutinho is going to be that magical, you know, the, the man who comes on the white, the white knight, he becomes, you know, the, the, the savior for against his former club in Bayern Munich. Where is he going to do that? Because in that friendly, if, you know, would to be believed he played just like he did at the beginning of last season when he played okay, above average, he was a left winger in an inverted left winger, basically in that four, three, three. And so if Barca is playing a four, three, three, or they're playing a three, five, two, you know, you're not really sure you're still not sure where he fits and that's going to continue to be mm-hmm. a, a concern. And we've seen that. I think most likely to see where he would fit in the premier league would be the way that Hamas Rodriguez has been employed by Everton would be a very similar comparison as to how a team can not necessarily build around Coutinho, but to fit him in there to get the best out of him while not really rocking the boat too much. But you need a lot of players who are going to be, who are good players, quality players, but very industrial in their approach to the game, which is not necessarily what Barcelona is. And, and nor ever will be. They're just there's in any if in essence there's how do I, I guess the way to say it is there's always going to be even without Messi and Griezmann there's always going to be too much talent if you will around him too many players that on paper can do something so he's always going to be making a run inside looking to get a long shot off as Busquets is looking for that ball over the top that Messi was all too welcome to make that run in but now Memphis is occupying those same runs in behind the defense that you don't want to get in Busquets' way. And that's the whole thing about it. It's not even a hierarchy of, of leadership or off the field stuff. It's just a hierarchy of where the ball needs to go on the field. 
and continues is always going to be too far down the depth chart. And you're right. It, it is disappointing that there wasn't another club, especially in the Premier League, who weren't saying, hey, let's make you our Hamas Rodriguez as we try to avoid relegation. And then we'll just give you back to Barcelona and we don't have to pay your wages when we get relegated to the championship. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Barca can make that that pitch again to those Premier League sides. You bet. You know, they were on the phone. You know, I mean, as much as people have lost faith on the Porto over the Messi thing and over the Griezmann thing and over the wages and over the registering players, I know so many coolers have lost favor in him. But, you know, Laporta tried everything he could to get Coutinho at least off the books. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't have time to call about Umtiti and Lele, but you know, Coutinho was the first name that he was throwing out to, to other teams. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, or at least his, the Coutinho's agents also will have known that, you know, he will have other opportunities elsewhere. Um, I think also a lot of people uh, lost faith in Laporta because four months ago they thought that we would sign Erling Haaland. So sure. it's, it, it's difficult to go from expecting to sign the most expensive player in the world when you're knee-deep in debt, waist-deep in debt, neck-deep in debt, to, to losing two of the best players in the world uh, because of that financial situation. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, on the podcast, I think we could also take a little bit of culpability for that too because I tr- not even optimistic, but you, know, you can't for four, five, six, seven months uh, host a podcast twice a week and tell people, hey, you know, just forget the club. It's, it's going to be all, it's, you know, it's going to be heartbreak for the next whenever months and months and months and months. So culpability comes that you, you cannot try to force on people week in and week out, day in and day out to go to that dark place where the club's finances are. It just, it's, it, it, it not ruins fanhood, but it's, it's very difficult to just continue to engage people and in, in believing that the club is turning it around. When in fact, as we said over the summer with all the money that was taken off the books, maybe this dark period is a lot less, you know, maybe it is only the two years that we've been speaking about. You know, maybe it is only until, I mean, I, you can say something sooner, but maybe it is 2023 when Barca can really go back out and spend 60 to 70 million on another player. Laporta La said uh, at uh, Luke de Jong's presentation that next summer we'll probably be able to sign normally. Which is different than what he said two weeks ago before Griezmann was taken off the books, which is actually really telling. That before Griezmann was sent off the books, it was, it was 2024. And now... Mm-hmm. Back and now it's next summer, which will be 2022. So I think that's really telling about also understanding that Atletico Madrid is going to, as I said yesterday, they're going to to, to go to, to to go and actually use him so that he's they they are forced to play that 40 million euros. Okay, so oh, I mean, how, how are you not going to use Griezmann if you're a Simeone for for 50 percent of the matches? He's Griezmann is their best forward. Yeah, and we so we answered that question yesterday. We did that yesterday. So speaking of attacking midfielders, though, Nicholas asked as our last question of today. What do you think about Danny Olmo? Because he was that one big rumor. And I, I think the 75 million euros is insane. I don't think that was real. But I think the interest in Danny Olmo is real. Yeah, and I don't really understand why. Um, I think he's a decent player. Not a player that I would spend money on. Like, I, honestly, I prefer to give Collado uh, the, 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 the slot in the squad over spending 20 or 30 million on Danny Olmo. I, I know that Dani Olmo has fans. I know that Dani Olmo has people who really like him, but I just don't see it. See it. Um, I do not see the the potential to to be a starter um, two three years from now when the club has money money to sign and with all the talent that is uh, that is already coming through the ranks. N- nor do I think that he's necessarily the profile that we want. I still think that 
we would need like a goal scorer. We would need a runner. Whereas Danny Olmo is more of a creator. He's more the guy that uh, wants the ball. I was not particularly impressed by his performances for, for Spain over the summer either. I thought he was okay. So 75 million, I would be upset if they made that deal. But I would even like uh, be upset if they make that for half or even less than half that money. Uh, of course, if we do end up signing him, I'll give him a chance. And I might be wrong because it happens. I mean, I would wonder the same thing I wonder about Coutinho, where, where exactly he would fit and into what way. I mean, just because you say he's from the academy, he did leave at 16. And we do know that looking with Spain, that there's a certain way that he does play, that he would fit next to Pedri and De, and De Jong and, mm-hmm. and Eric Garcia. So he would fit a bit better than some of the other ones we've spoken about. But yeah, you're right. I, I think I, I long look at transfers as uh, a number where I might like a player, you know, like for Monaco, Tutamani, I think is a really, really fantastic uh, box-to-box midfielder that I think would be a, a great option. He's very technical too in the future, but you can immediately throw a number at me that says, oh, not at that number, right? Like if somebody said, hey, but that's, he's going to be 60, I'm going to go, I mean, 60? I mean, you have other midfielders that could do that thing for 60 already in the in the club, or you need to look for a cheaper option already because he's already out, mm-hmm. of, out of your market. So you're talking about Chumani next next summer for 30 million, I say, okay, that's totally fair because mm-hmm. he's a completely different profile from what Barca has, but he also could be a player in the midfield that they don't have that can complement everybody else. Now with Danny yeah. Almo, yeah, I think that's a question on to what direction we've long said that you got, you, you hit the nail on the head that I'm not going to repeat the goal scoring point, but last season he worked his way into the RB Leipzig team, winning a starting spot by basically the middle of December, playing 46 total matches with seven goals and 12 assists, which is fine, but he's a creator for them. And he does actually take on a lot of the burden of, of of chance creation, which you have, you again, you have Pedri, you have Memphis, you'll have Fati, you have Dembele, you have players in Barcelona that do that a different way. They also, that being Barca, work through creating chances through that left flank in Alba for as long as he can be. And in the future, hopefully they can do the same thing for death. So I think mm-hmm. it's hypocritical. It would be hypocritical of me to say that, or point to Eric Garcia's performances with Spain to defend him and then not give almost the same opportunity. I actually was, I think I was more impressed with him with Spain than you were. But I also don't think he's worth 75 million euros close to that. He was also sold from Dinamo Kiev. I mean, uh, sorry, Dinamo Zagreb to Leipzig for around 25 million. So that is basically the the root of what he was already paid. Uh, And I still think that's about what he's worth. I think he's still worth about 25 million, maybe up to 30, because again, he was just sold. So I I mean, that's a player that you would see how it works out at Leipzig for another year or two. And if he's worth 35, 45 in a year or two, then that's what he's worth a year or two from now. And you reevaluate when he's 25, as opposed to rebuying. Right, he's 23 power. now, right? 23 now, right. Mm-hmm. So you're basically, I mean, just trying to repurchase. It doesn't make a total, a, lot, a whole heck of a lot of sense unless he's willing and really wants to force his way out, which I, I never like when players do this. So I wouldn't like to see this. But if he really forces his way out of Leipzig to come to Barca, even if it's a big transfer fee of 25 to 35 or 40, but he's willing to do it on very small wages as almost uh, just like Eric Garcia is almost a, Hey, I returned home. I'm happy to return home. Then maybe you look at that because again, it would be more money up front, but it's less money over the course of the contract and it doesn't affect your wage bill. So that's how I could see that work out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the other thing is you can then sell him two years or three years right. later uh, and he will be open to being sold because he can make a lot more money somewhere else. Yep. So, um, that, that would be the upside. Also, I don't think that he would not fit at all. It's not a round hole square peg 
type situation. He obviously knows the way we play, so uh, he would be decent. I I just don't don't see him as a difference maker, and I I would love for us to spend money where we really need it on players that really make make a difference. Yeah. So if, if we have if we have yeah if we have seventy million, I think uh, Alexander Isaac. And, and I've been talking about Isaac for two years now, so that's not nothing new. Yeah, I don't think uh, but, he's anymore. I think enough people have kind of thrown their their hat behind him. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, you're that, right. that, that would be an absolute uh, an obvious signing for me. Also, you would need to look at what is going to happen in the fullback positions. You know, is Dest because Dest this season has to become better. He cannot have two seasons in a row where there are still like doubts about his potential. Yep. So if, if Des doesn't take that step forward and by selling Emerson, uh, the club is clearly sending out a message to, uh, to Dest, then you might also want to look in flipping Dest for maybe a different right back. Uh, or maybe if Mingesa starts winning that uh, right back battle this season, then also you might say, okay, well, you know, let's, let's invest in the fullback. Um, I mean, also pending. he is 20 years old. So, I mean, on Barcelona's, yeah, yes, he costs a bit, but on, on the way that they, they groom their talents, he would still be with Barca B for another year even. So I think Des is going to be given a long leash based on the circumstance of which he came, which was out of a panic in October. And also he still at his wages does not cost much because of what he was making at Ajax that it wasn't that right. much of a bump in his contract. So I think he's going to be a cheap talent that he's going to get more than just one year. But also at Barcelona, as with any club of their size, they're, they're, they can flip young talents like, you know, like poker chips. I mean, that's how quickly you move mm-hmm. on. I mean, look at Emerson. Emerson was at the club for a week. Just and then money was... Oh, off. yeah, it's incredible. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is, yeah, it's great that Dest is so young, so young. And that would mean that it's smart to um, to keep him for years and and let him develop, but it does just does not work that way. Well, that not. works. Some, yeah. That yeah. works. That works for academy players, um, but for people that you sign, uh, it could end up being that typical. Hey, you know, um, he went to a big club at too young of an age type situation. I think everybody is also like worried about uh, Madrid signing Camavinga because he's such a great talent. 99% of the people who say that have never watched the full match of Camavinga because we don't watch uh, Ren matches. But there also, is he a great talent? Sure. Is going to Madrid at the age of 18 the right move? It might turn out to be a brilliant move. But the chances are that it's not going to work out for him. Well, I mean, that's he's too young. That's based on Madrid's recent track record between Marco Asensio, which also had a lot of injuries, but even Rodrigo. Rodrigo was can't miss from Brazil from that from the what, Santos Youth Academy. And now he's going to be 20 this year, but he's still only 20. But also it's like, oh, he didn't take the steps we needed or expected him to take for what he costs. And so now is, now is Madrid next summer already going to say, hey, maybe we need to sell him on mm-hmm. in the same way that that right back Orzabal, I mean, not Orzabal, uh, the, the right back that they had gotten that, I mean, they sent him on loan yeah. to Bayern last year or two years ago, even. And yeah. he's now 24. And you, he, he bought him at what, 19 or something. And now you believe right. 24 already or something. So, or 21, they got him from Real Sociedad. And now he's 24 or 25. Yeah. So yeah, it just, in a second, these players are, mm-hmm. and that means we're getting older too, Levon. So, well, we did make it through the, the international break though. So I'm so proud of us. We were able to get through another two weeks of that, but it's, as far as the season coming back, 
Bayern Munich, I hope, does not dictate <laughs> what happens throughout La Liga. Or actually, if Barca do get a result, I hope they do. So we will be talking to Emil, Levan, and everybody else on the other side of the Bayern Munich match. So, Levan, I, I want to say enjoy the match. I hope we enjoy the match and we can have a, a good conversation about that and many more uh, the weeks following. I hope I'm going to be in the stadium this time because when we played against Getafe, uh, I, I opted in and they never sent me my ticket. And then when I went, I thought, well, you know, hey, I opted in. So it's surely it's some mistake and we can straighten it out. And they just wouldn't let me in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the office and said, no, uh, even if you opted in, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do today. There's only loose tickets being sold. And I'm just afraid that the same is going to happen for some reason against Bayern because I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that game. Apparently, the stadium is going to be a little bit more uh, full this time because 30, 31,000 socios or uh, season ticket holders have, uh, have signed up and there are still like 8,000 uh, loose tickets available. So that's 39,000 people. This is going in the right direction. And so hopefully uh, you're one let, of those. Let's see what happens. The, the, the last time I was in the camp now against Bayern Munich, it was a pretty special match. But then the last time I was in the camp now against Bayern Munich, we still had Lionel Messi playing for us. Yeah, so no little Messi, but... Bayern against Barcelona. Again, another podcast is coming out later, not even this weekend, but potentially on Monday prior to just look out for it prior to that Bayern Munich match. So we are uh, talking with someone from the Bayern Munich uh, community and getting their perspective. Maybe they might be a little nervous. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona pod. Follow him at Barcelona uh, on Twitter. Our closed Facebook group is where we got these questions for the last two days in La Ronda. That's the Barcelona podcast. Answer those questions. I'll let you in. On Patreon, it's how we keep making these shows. Always, always appreciated with that financial help. And you can also listen to these without the ads over there. And then on YouTube, I'll be back with those match reviews and a Bayern Munich preview as well over on the YouTube channel, the Barcelona Podcast. Most importantly, thanks for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And for Barca. For Barca. And I, I have a postscriptum here. You guys should give Charlie Barca a follow. He's a great account. Thank you for the question, Charlie. I didn't know you were listening to the pod. So more followers, more problems for you, man. You're welcome. So adios to everyone and adios to Charlie Barca and Levon. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.